Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. I'm Dr. Chris Tucker from the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and founding editor of the podcast. Today on the podcast, we are discussing sex-specific analysis in orthopedic sports medicine publications. I'm privileged to be joined in this discussion by a leader in the field of gender-specific research and orthopedic care delivery, as well as a good friend and colleague, Dr. Mary Mulcahy. Dr. Mulcahy is an Associate Professor of Clinical Orthopedic Surgery, Assistant Program Director, and Director of the Women's Sports Medicine Program at Tulane University. Mary, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really honored to have the opportunity to discuss our research and really want to give you huge congratulations on the success of the podcast. Well, thanks. I share some congratulations back in your direction for being one of the newest elected members of the Arthroscopy Association's Board of Directors as well. We're excited to see the things that you help contribute to our organization. Thank you so much. Mary, you were the senior author on the article titled Sex-Specific Analysis at Two Time Points in Three High-Impact Orthopedic Sports Medicine Journals which is in press for publication in the Arthroscopy, Sports Medicine, and Rehabilitation Journal. First of all, congratulations to you and your co-authors on the paper. I hope today we can highlight the importance of discussing gender-specific research in orthopedics. To that end, can you share with us how you came up with the idea for this particular study? Yes, absolutely. So there's a ton of evidence in the literature supporting sex-related differences in sports medicine injuries, for example, ACL tears, from tabular impingement, patellar instability. But unfortunately, there's much less in the literature on how those sex-related differences actually impact outcomes. I mean, given the increased attention to this like very, very important topic, our team wanted to see if there's been any improvement in reporting of sex-specific analysis over a five-year time period. And I I really have to give huge thanks to our entire team, especially Ariana Giannakos, who is a fourth-year orthopedic resident up in New Jersey. So she's at Robert Wood Johnson Barnabas Health in Jersey City, and she uh, was a tremendous help on this study. So that's kind of where the idea came from. There also uh, there was just an excellent article written by Carolyn Petrich and uh, Joe Hannafin, was senior author on that back in 2015. That was a study published in CORE. In that study, they actually looked overall at sex-specific analysis of data in high-impact orthopedic journals. And that, I believe, really was the first study to look at sex-specific analysis. And so we definitely used that as a reference and a model for our study. One other important point that I wanted to highlight was that in 2001, the Institute of Medicine released a report stating that sex must be considered in all aspects and at all levels of biomedical research. So the NIH is really pushing for this. And anything that is submitted to the NIH, they review it critically, and, um, and sex has to be reported where appropriate. Unfortunately, we, we clearly are not quite there yet with orthopedics, but that is, this is kind of the foundation for the idea for this study. Well, I'm so excited you highlighted this topic and also did this study. The stated purpose of this study was to determine how well orthopedic sports medicine literature reported sex-specific analysis between 2011 and 2016, and you hypothesized that this analysis would remain underreported with a limited increase over the study period. Can you share with us how you went about your investigation and what you found? 
Yeah, so in our study, we elected to focus on the three highest impact sports medicine journals, which was AJSM, Arthroscopy, and KSSTA. Two of our co-authors actually review, independently reviewed all the journal issues that were published in 2011 and 2016, so we picked those two time periods. We included randomized controlled, prospective, and retrospective group and case control studies. Importantly, we stratified the studies into the studies that involved sex-specific analysis with sex as a variable in a multifactorial statistical model, or sex reported as a demographic, or those studies that used sex-matched groups, but did not actually perform further analysis. So we found a total of 960 studies, which had over 3 million patients total, 44% of which were female. The proportion of studies that performed sex-specific analysis, unfortunately, did not differ between the two time periods. Interestingly, AJSM reported SSA at a slightly higher rate than arthroscopy and KSSTA, but that was 35% for AJSM, 29% for arthroscopy, and 26% for KSSTA. So not a huge difference between the journals. And that's kind of the overview of what we found in the study. A profoundly interesting finding to me in your paper is that despite the underreporting of sex-specific analysis in current orthopedic sports medicine literature, when it is performed, over 30% of the time, there's actually a significant difference in the outcomes between genders. The most commonly reported differences were in the areas of ACL, MPFL, and PCL reconstructions, autograph preparation, post-operative use of opiates, and concussion recovery. In your opinion, what are the most important implications of this finding of your study? So I think this was really, you know, definitely a critical finding and really underscores the importance of performing sex-specific analysis when appropriate. So, so it demonstrates that when sex-specific analysis is performed, that authors are very likely to find statistically significant differences in outcomes between male and female patients. So it really emphasizes the need to incorporate this when it's appropriate. And so uh, that's something I think we all need to keep in mind. And of course, not every study is amenable to that, but we just have to have it in the back of our mind to do it where it's appropriate because it really gives us important information when it's incorporated. Overall, ACL injury was by far the most common subtopic in which a significant difference was found after sex-specific analysis. In your study, precisely 50% of all significant knee studies you evaluated. Do you want to speak specifically to that finding and what that means for orthopedic surgeons who care for female athletes with ACL injuries? Yes, absolutely. So there's a, a lot of information in the literature about ACL injuries in general and sex-related differences in particular. You know, we know that female athletes are at upwards of eight times higher risk of sustaining an ACL tear, which is due to several risk factors kind of divided into modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors, but include things like sex-related differences in knee geometry, hormonal fluctuations, neuromuscular factors, including, you know, quad-dominant deceleration pattern in female athletes and biomechanical factors like female athletes tend to land with stiff knees and stiff hips and a valgus uh, alignment of the lower extremity. So most importantly, we really need to be aware that we cannot treat our male and female athletes the same. And, and an important thing to keep in mind is that, you know, there's a lot of support for injury prevention programs uh, in terms of decreasing the risk of ACL tears, especially in female athletes. So we really should consider having all of our female athletes that participate in high-risk sports, like soccer, basketball, volleyball, 
to participate in these type of programs, which of course focus on the modifiable risk factors. You know, these types of exercises can be incorporated into practice during preseason and regular season. And very importantly to emphasize um, the need to start this at a young age, so i.e. before puberty. Another important thing as, you know, team physicians and, and uh, orthopedic surgeons taking care of these athletes, we have to understand that return to play is different and that, you know, there are many factors that contribute to a low rate of return to play, which can be really, you know, 50 to 60 percent. One of the important factors being fear of re-injury and other psychological factors and that women may overall be more in, more impacted by these factors. So we have to take that into account when we're working with our patients, the coaches, the families, and helping to guide them through that process. A recent study published last year in The Lancet that investigated factors affecting sex-related reporting and medical research found that female first or last authors had a greater probability of sex-related reporting than male authors, and that journals with a higher impact factor were actually less likely to report sex. In light of these findings, and potentially the most important question of this podcast, what are your thoughts on ideas for improvement for both investigators and journals? Yeah, I think this is critical, and I think we have a huge opportunity. You know, many of us review articles for at least one journal or several journals, some within our subspecialty or the kind of general orthopedic journals, and that is a tremendous opportunity for us to have a huge impact. So when we review articles that have, you know, a an abundance of patients, you can say 600 patients where 300 are male and 300 are female. I think many of us, when you go then to look at the results, all those patients are clustered together. And that's an opportunity right there to comment to the authors and say, really, you know, we would recommend that you break down the results or request rather that you break down the results by sex of the patient and give the reported outcomes separately. So certainly we can do that at the level of reviewing for journals, but also when we're reviewing abstracts, uh, that are submitted to meetings. So I think that that's something um, as orthopedic surgeons that we can do right away. And in terms of what journals themselves could do, journals could be proactive and require that sex-specific analysis be included where appropriate. And even just having, you know, a checkbox, something that sort of forces authors or encourages them to think about this as you're going through the submission process, you know, is sex-specific analysis, would it be appropriate for this study? Yes, no. If yes, was it incorporated? And so it just gives, you know, authors a sort of moment of pause. And I think the more and more, the more journals that start to do that, like it will just become second nature and and researchers will do it routinely. Excellent. I knew you'd have some thoughtful responses to that. And I think those are fantastic suggestions. I'd love to hear about how you are applying findings from studies like this into your own practice. Can you share with us some of the exciting things you're doing as the director of the Women's Sports Medicine Program at Tulane? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. So, you know, in my role as director of our Women's Sports Program, I spend a lot of time educating my patients, parents, coaches, um, and really anyone that will listen uh, about common injuries, injury prevention, um, how these things can impact outcome. I also speak very frequently about sex-specific analysis and have several studies related to that ongoing. So I'm always, you know, trying to learn uh, myself. And I, I just spoke a little bit about, you know, when reviewing articles, and I and I incorporate that into my own approach to reviewing articles um, that I place pay close attention to when sex-specific analysis is included or where it might be appropriate and where that may actually add to the content of the article. 
So then some other specifics about our women's sports program here. So I feel really fortunate that I'm in a unique role that allows me to interact frequently with large groups of female athletes and have, you know, dedicated sessions on things like ACL injury prevention, giving talks on risk factors for ACL tears in female athletes and just educating patients and families. We also create educational resources, both online and and paper formats. We have a lot of, you know, big social media presence as well. And then sort of like have the opportunity to take these things to the local, regional, and national level um, and help just educate people and expose people to the benefits of having an integrated program, sort of a comprehensive interdisciplinary approach to taking care of active girls and women, which ultimately can have a huge impact on hopefully decreasing the rate of injuries and improving outcomes. Very exciting. Very, very uh, inspirational to hear what you're doing. To close, would you like to share any other takeaway points with respect to gender-specific analysis in orthopedic sports medicine that our listeners can apply to their own practices or their own research efforts? Yes, absolutely. So again, I mean, I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of discuss this article in more detail, and I hope that just by hearing about this, that people are, you know, investigators and researchers are going to think about it more in their own research, because I think having more knowledge about the differences between male and female athletes in response to treatment and outcomes is going to improve our ability to take care of our patients. And ultimately, that's our goal. Great. Mary, genuinely, thank you again for sharing your thoughts with us today and helping to call attention to this important aspect of our profession. I think strength in orthopedics is founded in our diversity and we need more spotlights shown on topics like this. So thank you for all the work you're doing and thank you again for joining us. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity. Dr. Mulcahy's article titled Sex-Specific Analysis at Two Time Points in Three High-Impact Orthopedic Sports Medicine Journals can be found in an upcoming issue of Arthroscopy, Sports Medicine, and Rehabilitation, which is available online at www.arthroscopysportsmedicineandrehabilitation.org. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.